Welcome to the Staying Golden Podcast, where we'll be catching up with Laurier alumni to give the Laurier community a glimpse of what the future may hold after graduation. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurier University and its campuses are located on the Haldeman Track, traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Welcome to season four of the Staying Golden podcast. We're kicking things off with a good one today. I'm excited to introduce you guys to today's guests. So without further ado, today I'm here with Meredith and Carlos Perez. And today we'll be talking about a number of topics, including career, entrepreneurship, school experiences, all that good stuff. So Meredith, Carlos, how are you guys doing today? We're good. We're great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here. So Carlos graduated from Laurier in 2003. The undergraduate in business and Meredith graduated in 2004 with a Bachelor of Arts focused on French and political science. Uh, with their unique combination of skill sets, they went on to found their own company, Purple Sector Strategy, which we'll get to talking about today. But before we do that, uh, just a question to get to know you guys a bit better. So how would you typically spend a Sunday afternoon or what kind of hobbies do you enjoy getting up to in your free time? Good well, question. <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh, we are both uh, huge Formula One fans. So a good Sunday usually means there's there's a race that morning uh, that we will have, uh, you know, carved out some time to make sure we're, we're, we're watching. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. You have a specific driver you're a fan of? It's a tough one this year. It's uh, not... Um... It's not a very close race for the championship. So last year I was cheering for Max Verstappen because I wanted a sort of change in <laughs> the person at the top, but this year he seems to have it in hand. So I think uh, I'm cheering mostly for uh, Carlos Sainz um, to do well at Ferrari. Got it. Yeah. I love a good underdog story, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm for myself, I'm always, I'm always cheering for the underdog. And even if that's Mercedes, uh, you know, I, I want them to come back because it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're the ones challenging or uh, yeah. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. A lot of new F1 fans lately. So yes. <laughs> moving to uh, school experience a little bit. So we take things back a bit. You guys are just finishing up high school, maybe applying to universities, trying to see what kind of things you're interested in? What ended up leading you both to Laurier? You knew right away. You were a Laurier fan from pretty much the beginning. I think it clicked in for me when I came to campus and it just felt like a really fun place to be. And it was the right size for me. And at that time, I actually, even though I graduated with an arts degree, I was in the BBA program. So you know, Laurier's reputation for business program was was pretty high. So it just kind of ticked all the boxes for me, I guess. I remember you saying you were yeah. very much set on Laurier. Uh, I think the, I want to say my first campus visit was to hand in the acceptance letter. Oh, wow. uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, what drew me to it was the co-op program. So I, from grade 11, I think I, it's, uh, when my mom gave me the course calendar for it and said they have co-op and I was like what's co-op I grade 11 I had no idea what it, what it was doing uh and uh yeah no I think from there I kind of set my sights on it I knew business is where I wanted to get into I kind of figured uh it's part of everything so it'll open doors to whatever I'd like to do in the future um and yeah with uh, Laurier's rep reputation for the good BBA program just made sense so mm -hmm. yeah it, it was yeah, very very early on and set uh set pretty early on on that course yeah absolutely and as someone who's been fortunate enough to take place in that 
co-op program. It is really a great program. The the summer softball is uh... <laughs> the best part of the co-op oh, yeah. program. <laughs> so I understand that you guys met during your years at Laurier. I yes. was curious about how that happened and how did that kind of lead to where you are today? Yeah, I think it was mostly we had, I had friends in one house and he had friends in another house and somehow those friends became friends. And that's how we met. So yeah. it was just a night out. Marshall Street uh, miracle. Yeah, um, exactly. I, yeah, the I, I like to tell it that it was through a mutual friend, like like you said. And there was a there was a house party that she doesn't remember I was at. No, not but that. I remembered that she was at. So <laughs> that's that's kind of uh, how it all started. That's right. I was a little slower to clue in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty typical to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> So were either of you involved in any extracurriculars during your time at Laurier? Yes, I, um, in my first year, I was part of Bacchus. That was one of my big volunteering bits. And then as I um, continued through, um, I was in part of the Women's Center. So that was an area um, of campus that really um, took a lot of my volunteer attention. Yeah. Oh, I was also... Um, part of the elections, not I was part of running the elections for student council. Right. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. totally blanking on what the name is. I have yeah, a T-shirt. DR, DRO. It's DRO. Yeah. Deputy returning officer. Yeah. I think it was. So okay. I was the second <laughs> one for one of the election years yeah. also. Yeah, still have that shirt. Yeah. yeah. A painting um, shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, yes, I was involved with uh, Walusu uh, with uh, the graphic design team and the web team. I think they were two separate ones. I'm not quite sure anymore, but uh, yeah, I did a lot of, oh my goodness, so many posters for the turret and Wilfs and uh, all the different events and, and things that were going on. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was that, that was fun. Met a lot of uh, good people that way. That's awesome. I know a lot of the stuff at Laurier is on like a slow rotation sometimes. So maybe I've seen one of your posters here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were using Corel Draw, which would have aged it a quite oh, a yeah. bit. But... <laughs> All right. And uh, besides meeting each other, of course, do you guys have any kind of best memories from your Laurier days or things that you can pinpoint as something you look back on as a good time? The whole time was really amazing, actually. It was always, I mean, it changed a lot over the four years that I was there. You know, it, the school grew a lot. Um, so, you know, first year it felt very much like, I know UW always calls it the high school down the street. And it did kind of feel like that in the it beginning. Was nice. yeah. yeah, it was really mm -hmm. nice. And then by fourth year, you know, I was taking some of my classes were in like the old elementary school across the street. That's now the big fancy business building. Right, yeah. But it was like the old, you know, with those short little water fountains <laughs> and, you know, little kid bathrooms. Um, so it really grew really quickly, but it was, it still felt like a community, which was always nice. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think um, I would, I would say all the same things Meredith just said. And um, I think part of it really was also discovering Waterloo because mm -hmm. we didn't really know much about it. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I came uh, from, from Thornhill, which was in the process of just growing exponentially. And Waterloo kind of felt like what Thornhill used to feel like mm -hmm. um, ages ago before the, you know, the super growth there. 
So yeah, to me, like one of the highlights really was other than Meredith, of course, uh, (laughs) was, um, was, was the city and, and, you know, getting to know the city. And of course we made tons of great friends and yeah, it it really was a a great experience the, the whole way through. Awesome. So now I was hoping to talk a little bit more about career. So Meredith, for you specifically, I'm curious about how, so you focused on French and poli sci in your degree, but I noticed that you've worked a lot in marketing and have had a pretty successful marketing career. So how were you able to make <laughs> yeah. that, make that yeah. conversion? Yeah. Um, I, well, I'm going to say funnily enough, but it was my French degree. So I, um, out of school, I worked in customer service for a little while for a heartbeat. Um, and then I found, um, an industry association for the sheet steel industry in Canada. So they focused on construction products, um, and they needed, they were looking for a marketing person to sort of kick things off. They hadn't done marketing it was an old organization, but they hadn't done traditional marketing in a long time. Um, but a big thing they were, and they were based out of Cambridge, the office. Um, but a big barrier they had was that they had members across Canada. So they needed a bilingual person to be able to, you know, do activities in both French and English. Um, and so that was really my foot in the door was my French degree um, and being able to go in and, and I had an, an interest in, um, in marketing. So I sort of self-taught myself a little bit, a lot of that kind of work, um, but used the French degree to sort of get, get there and get going. And just kind of grew from there, learned a lot, took some courses, um, you know, networked with other and, you know, had some mentors and other other people to show me sort of the marketing ropes. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I got my start. Amazing. And then, Carlos, I know you've worked a lot with design. So how did yes. that kind of come about? Has that always been a hobby that you've been interested in or? It, it was uh, very, very early on um, playing with Photoshop. Uh, ages ago and you know version three i don't know uh no idea uh but the uh it was it was always design was always a hobby that i you know recognized would you know could become uh, a job but uh not necessarily in the ways that it is today uh so it was exciting to be able to 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 grow with the industry and and see the different paths that have emerged i love that laurier has a ux program now uh i like Oh my goodness, I would have been uh, super happy to be in that program. Uh, but yeah, no, design kind of was the the thing throughout the career, even though sometimes the jobs were, you know, I was a marketing coordinator uh, right out of school uh, at uh, at RIM. Uh, and, uh, but I was always trying to get back to design, design somehow. Awesome. Yeah. And I guess working with what you love is kind of the best way to That's enjoy right. yeah. your career. Moving on to more of the entrepreneurial side of things, before we talk about Purple Sector, I'm curious about both of your entrepreneurial journeys as individuals. So, yeah. Carlos, I noticed that you were the co-founder of a business called Alt Career. I was wondering if you could speak to that and kind of yeah. what that changed your entrepreneurial aspirations or what that meant for you. And that was uh, a very, very fun project uh, that I started with uh, another Laurier uh, alumni, uh, Paul Saint-Ange. So, Paul, you're if you hear this, <laughs> Shout out, Paul. Uh, and uh, that was uh, it was an amazing uh, experience to build something from the ground up. Uh, we had a lot of great ideas that we wanted to do. We we did, you know, looking back, we did so many things 
wrong. <laughs> um, and uh, but but it was you know an opportunity for us to to see what what we could do. Um, and uh, Paul and I message each other every now and then and say like it still has legs. We can always come. You know we can always <laughs> bring this back. We can re- resurrect it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it required not just building, um, a product, but how we were going to market it, how we were positioning ourselves, branding. I was, we were using, you know, uh, quite a bit of what we did learn, uh, in school to, and, and really applying it. So it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, those were, those were good days. Awesome. And Meredith, I know you worked on a project called Mockingbird Interiors. I was wondering if you could speak to that. Is that something that's still going on or have you kind of left that? It back? is not, unfortunately, <laughs> no. Um, I decided beginning of this year to to close that uh, down. One Running one business at a time um, is enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was basically... I, I we we did a major renovation on our home uh, a number of years ago, and in that process, I realized I really like this work. Um, I've always been sort of an avid DIYer, but to you know work with professional trades and and make design decisions for our home um, was something that kind of really struck a chord with me. So um, I took. Uh, a course, an online course on interior design, and then decided to start up my own design business. And I worked with a number of clients, helping them with um, various projects, um, mostly kitchens and bathrooms, like full Mm -hmm. renovation projects, but also some decorating um, projects for, you know, just living spaces, living rooms, like that. And um, I really did love it, but it takes a lot of time um, and so I just sort of this year had to make a decision between Purple Sector and Mockingbird. Um, but I still, you know, follow all the design blogs and and dream about things for my own home. And I always have plans uh, in my head for what project is next in our house. Yeah, so. we'll we'll be the first customer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It, it's um, the kind of work is really interesting because you work with people on their own personal spaces. So there's a lot of balancing that's happening. You know, you've got budgets, so that's people's expectations versus what, how much money they have to spend <laughs> is uh, an interesting balancing act sometimes. Um, but also, sort of that it's a translation issue most of the time. People talk about what they want or, or the feelings they have about the space that they, that they have. And you have to kind of translate that into tangible ideas and direction. And so that was always, I always felt like it pushed my, my skills and, you know, and my creative, and it was a really good creative outlet as well. So yeah, I really loved doing that work. I won't, I will never leave interior design is, is one of my passions. That's awesome. And on that same thread, and you were just talking about how it can be difficult to take like a customer or client's needs or what they perceive to be their needs and understand, translate that to what they actually need. Uh, what are some other kind of key takeaways that each of you got from those experiences that you've been able to use for Purple Sector? Well, you outlined a perfect one right there because <laughs> we do a lot of that kind of translation work um, for our clients at Purple Sector. Definitely. Um, you know, I think... I think a big part that translates no matter what business you're you're doing is is organization. You have to mm-hmm. have systems and processes in place where you keep yourself on task because when you're an entrepreneur, it's you're only accountable to yourself. You know, it's not there's no boss above you telling you what you need to get done. 
that day it's, it's on you. So you need to be organized. At least that's how I keep myself sane is, is stay organized. So I use a lot of those same kind of systems that I use for project management on a renovation, you know, understanding timelines and when certain people come into the story basically. And, and then now we do that a lot. With the Alt Career Project was really the idea of of creating a voice, creating a brand, and, and making sure that that came through clearly in everything you do. Uh, so, uh, and I, th- I know that's one of the strengths that uh, both uh, Paul and I that were working on it uh, had identified. And I think that's what always triggers us to send that message every now and then. Moving on to more specifically with Purple Sector, uh, can you talk about first how the idea came to be? And then second, what you do in the business or kind of what does a day week in the life of operating the business look like? So the idea was something that was uh, in our heads for years, um, perhaps in my head a bit longer, a bit longer. Uh, but it really was based on seeing uh, many different teams work in many different ways, or perhaps actually somebody asked me that the other day, You've, you must have seen uh, a lot of different things. And they said, I saw a lot of different people usually behaving in a lot of similar ways. Mm. Uh, so it was interesting to see what made great teams stand apart from teams that you knew you were surrounded by super talented people, but it's like, why, why aren't we clicking? Why can't we uh, make a difference? So that, that with uh, diving more into design and design thinking and human centered design, this was you know, starting to see these patterns between those good teams, those great teams, really, and how they really center around their work around really what their customers need, right? And But truly, how do they work like that? Can they actually manage their time based on customer needs? Sometimes those just feel like, oh, people say they do that, but you know, how do they actually? So the the pandemic really was kicking off point for us. I was looking for a change in, in, in a role. Uh, we knew uh, with, with Meredith's job that it was going to be coming to, a, to an end. So we kind of looked at that and thought, now's, now's the time for us to try this, try something, try to see if we can create a, a company that can help teams perform better. But we we really did get off to a an awkward start. I think that's a mm-hmm. you know it really was one of those things. And where I would shrug and say I kind of do product design stuff, and Meredith would shrug and say I kind of do product marketing stuff. But we were never really <laughs> truly um, zeroing in on what what it was that we were trying to help teams accomplish. So uh, so it was a bit of a, it was an awkward start where you know, but given given some uh, support from uh, from from people that we met uh, on the journey, uh, Rachel, I don't know, <laughs> uh, has helped us tell our story a bit better. Um, so we were, you know, from that awkward start, we've now built more confidence in in what we do, which is actually aligning remote teams around customer needs, uh, and we want them to do that so that they can create and design better products, better programs, or services. And we do this all through. Uh, collaborative workshops and personalized coaching. And these are all based on design thinking principles. So what does a day in the life look like operating the business? What what are you doing when you meet with teams, when you run workshops? And what does that look like? 
We very much uh, tailor our programs to what the team needs. So it, de- it kind of depends on what it is they're trying to do, what they're trying to build. So we've worked with clients who are, you know, in the tech product space, building software, apps, that kind of thing. And then we've also worked in the nonprofit space where they're designing programs to deliver to their own clientele. Um, so First off, before we get going on any kind of project is obviously to have a conversation with the team lead or whoever it is that's identified that they need some help um, and really dive into what it is they need to to zero in on. Um, And that will help us design a program that really walks them through a process of changing how they think and how they talk with each other. That's really the basis of our of our program of, of what we do is is making space for these teams to have really critical conversations and showing them um, some frameworks and tools. That's the workshop part of things where we're we're very often in as as a team with all the individuals in in a Miro board, um, capturing these thoughts, capturing the conversation, but really it's the conversation that that is the valuable part. and it's and it's quite amazing. You think, you know, companies are are used to having meetings. Meetings are are a known quantity and and are accepted. But um, especially in a remote setting, you can have a lot of meetings that don't produce a lot of decisions or or movement forward. And so that's what we try to give them a framework that if they're trying to sort of lay out specific information, then you've got those details, you've got that context moving forward outside of the meeting. Um, So yeah, a lot of our workshops really are with the whole team. We're all, um, we use a a video conferencing platform called Butter, uh, which is somewhat new and we we introduce it to a lot of our clients for the first time, Um, but it allows us to all be in Miro together on the call, having a conversation, capturing, creating visual artifacts, um, that allow them to reference back and, uh, you know, have the context that they need to make decisions going forward. Um, so we can do things in a really one-off kind of way where we might do uh, a short-term project where we're doing a couple of sessions, maybe reviewing something like story mapping um, so that they have a new skill, a new tool to use as they go forward. Or we can do some really deep work with teams where we're working with them over, you know, maybe six weeks, meeting a couple of times a week, doing workshops. And then we've got the coaching part that happens outside of those sessions one-on-one to really dive in. Okay. So we've introduced this concept, this concept of empathy maps is huge in uh, design thinking. So now you know what an empathy map is, you know how to create one, but how do we now integrate that into your actual day-to-day work? And so that's where the coaching element kind of and, and sort of reinforces what we do together as a group so that each individual really has a strong understanding of how to use these things um, in their real work. And then they're all speaking the same language when they come together for future meetings and future, future conversations. One thing I'm curious about coming from what you just said there is, so you're obviously working with a lot of different teams, a lot of different industries. These people come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and it's it has to be very tailored to them. So how are you going about interfacing with your clients in order to actually pinpoint and identify, oh, this is something you've said to me, so I need to show you the empathy map? Or, you know, how do you decide what tools you're using in order to solve these problems? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. 
I think there's, we have a, we have a whole myriad of tools that we might, might use. Uh, we, we do wind up using a lot of the similar ones saying this would be a great way to, you know, center around uh, a particular need. Um, Meredith mentioned the empathy maps and uh, we use things like roadmaps, story maps. These are all lots of maps. Uh, basically, <laughs> it's the, the whole idea behind it is making the ideas visual uh, and tangible. So you can actually um, move past what happens in a lot of team conversations as people are talking at each other versus with each other are really truly understanding. So we use the maps to get those ideas out of our uh, out of our heads and beyond the words to say, here's something we can point to and say, is this what you meant? Or did I get that? Did I get that wrong? Did I mishear that? Um, but yeah, we because we're working with various industries and various problems and whatnot, the what we wind up always centering back to is who are you here for? Right. What what do they need? And and so we wind up using uh, similar approaches and, and we tweak things based on the need or, you know, they this sometimes we're working with teams who have tons of feedback from their customers uh, and they're looking for ways like, how do we leverage this? How do we how do we do more uh, and take more action on this or some that are, you know, might have had some reluctance or aren't there yet, you know, in, in, in getting that feedback. Um, but the. But the question is usually is is the same, like who 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 are you building this for, mm-hmm. and what do they need? So we're you know those are those are the undercurrents that always show up in our in our in our work and our sessions. Um, right, that makes sense, and I understand definitely the importance of having that back and forth to be able to to develop solutions and understand the problem first of all. Uh, so how do you guys go about finding these customers for your business? Are you doing a lot of lead generation on your own time or are people finding you through your website? Right now at, at the stage we're at, it's mostly word of mouth. Uh, we're, you know, we've been working quite, quite a bit this fall uh, in particular to increase our presence online and, uh, you know, reinforce that like, you know, what we do is real. We're here. Um, give, give people that reminder uh, and, and, and a way to reach out to us. So we're, you know, being more active on, on social media, um, on LinkedIn and and Instagram. Uh, and the, the website winds up, it's there, but it winds up being more of a reinforcement of letting, letting people learn more about us, what, how, how we might work and why they might want to, um, contact us. But yeah, no, of course we're always, we're always looking for, for ways to, increase increase the audience um and, and and get in front of more people got it and uh this is a question for you carlos so sorry to keep putting you on the spot here but <laughs> i saw that you're still doing some freelance or contract design work in your own time are you finding that you're able to do that and how does that balancing act kind of work so when we started purple sector we knew that we would have to find projects and work to keep things going and uh, keep us keep us afloat. So, um, yeah, you know, working working on other projects with other organizations a helps us grow our skills. Uh, we get to meet really great people and teams. Um, they get to learn about what we do as well. Uh, so there's there's um, there's that back and forth. Uh, but but it also you know very practically speaking, provides a foundation that we can then grow from as well uh, as we continue to expand our, our own client base. And yeah, Meredith, Meredith has similar 
Yeah, I also have um, a handful of clients that I'm doing some contract work for in the marketing space. So we're both kind of doing our own individual projects as well as coming together and doing you know, our, our partnership projects um, for Purple Sector. The, the more core offering of what Purple Sector is, is what Carlos and I do together. And then we have our own individual projects on the side. And, and that's, you know, more of a sort of financial sustainability kind of um, reality at this point. Right. And, you know, we hope to over time sort of flip that where we have more work that we do together under purple sector and less, you know, of those individual projects. But um, the main, the main sort of life goal is that we are enjoying the work that we're doing. Exactly. So I very much enjoy the work I do for my clients. So it's not that I sort of begrudgingly do this work. I, I love that work. And same Carlos, when he takes on a design client, then, um, you know, he's invested in doing good work for them as well. And the interesting thing is for both of our, our, individual clients is a lot of what we talk about together as purple sector is what we need to talk with those clients about also you know both all of those uh those clients we need to be super clear on who it is we're doing these activities for when carlos is designing something or doing an audit he needs to have very clear understanding of who this this thing is being designed for so we end up having a lot of the same kind of conversations we we do at, in our workshops with these clients. Um, so it it's all very tangential, but still you know connected. I like to think that it, it I like to think that it gives us the keeps us honest. Like it gives us that hands on experience that we're saying, hey, to do that work in a way that's more engaging, you might find more meaning in uh, you know. We should be asking these these big questions, but actually putting that into practice. So you know we're 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 dog fooding it, if if you were, um, and and seeing like does this actually help me do my my job better when I'm tasked to work on something very specific and and have a very tangible output. A lot a lot of these things, like Meredith said, is is just they they complement each other. We're all, we are always learning. We're usually part of a team. So we're always like, you know, this is that reinforcement of these, this is how teams work. This is how, um, how they communicate. So it gives us, gives us a lot to apply, uh, and learn from when, when we're focused on like the, the core purple sector work. Right. That's awesome. And I love the idea of like aiming to just enjoy your work as, as a yeah, that's the, we, yeah, we will, we are often asked, uh, as, as is usual, uh, particularly in in the KW startup space, like, but how will you scale? And uh, mm. you know, and all these things, we're like, no, that's that the goal isn't isn't scaling. The goal isn't um, uh, this this financial figure. It's enjoying what we do. Of course, we want to uh, live comfortably and and <laughs> yeah. all those things. But uh, it really is about uh, you know we're running our own business and uh, having fun doing it. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So earlier you spoke about kind of an incubation phase while growing the business where you weren't really sure what it was, weren't really sure what to call it. I'm curious about what kind of challenges you were facing in that time at that stage of the business and how you were able to overcome them. You know, we had a lot of calls in the beginning with, you know, our network. That's where we we started. It makes a lot of sense when you start a business to turn to your own 
personal circles and networks. And we started having conversations with people and it very clearly, um, very early on, we, we understood that we really didn't know what it is we wanted to do. You know, we, we had this sort of nebulous idea of what it could be, but we hadn't really nailed down the specifics. And through, um, just through reaching out to people, I think it was uh, Hey Nova did our ultimately did our website, but we reached out to them because we we noticed them online and we we're like, oh, these these women are doing really cool work. So we sort of had a conversation with them and we're like, how do you do it? Like you sound so so articulate when you talk about what it is you do. And they were like, oh no, we worked with with Rachel to develop our story, and you need to talk to Rachel. And so we basically that's how we found. Rachel, who ended up being our story consultant. So we worked with her in a similar way to how we work with our clients. <laughs> uh, Rachel worked with us. You know, she took us through a structured program. We did workshops together where she asked us questions and showed us things and, and discussed concepts of how you build a story. And we got to make decisions about what we ultimately wanted. It was like part therapy art business consultation. And at yeah. the end of our time with Rachel, we had our purple sector story. And honestly, it made a world of difference because it just, you know, we were able to then go out and say, this is what we do. And it really, over the last year, we, I think we finished working with her, uh, spring, spring, early summer of 2021. Yeah. Um, and from that point forward, we haven't really deviated. We we've maybe yeah. forgotten some of the details that we talked with her about, but then it always comes up later. We're like, all right, this is exactly what we talked about with Rachel. Yeah. So it really just helped us center around what it is we wanted to do um, and made everything so much more clear. So really, I think when I think about advice for other people, if they're starting their business, it's, it's find those people in your circle or, you know, circle adjacent, like we did with, we found Hey Nova, they, they turned us on to Rachel. Ask for help in the areas that you're, you're kind of struggling in. Don't, yeah. don't assume that because you're a, an entrepreneur, or you're a business owner, that you have to know everything. And that, that applies to, you know, obviously our story, but, you know, your taxes, legal advice, you know, these are all parts of, yeah. of growing a business that, you know, you need to know something about, but, but don't assume you have to be the expert in all these areas because it's, there's a lot of complexity. Right. Shout out to Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> and for those who uh, don't know or aren't familiar, could you just explain what the purple sector name means and um, kind of the importance of that to your That's business? That's right. So uh, a bit of a callback to what you asked uh, when you asked what we like to do on a Sunday, which is yep. watch a race. Uh, Purple sector is a uh, racing term or motorsport term where what it means is it's uh, the a purple sector is given to the driver who's set the best time, the fastest time for a particular segment of a lap. Um, it's not a reward. It's not a big trophy or anything like that, but it's just it's something that's acknowledged uh, and you see it show up in the timesheets uh, and, and you'll hear uh, the, the commentators mention it. But what it does represent is like to, to get that top section of even just a lap means the, the car, the driver, the team, the strategy, everything was aligned to make that happen. Uh, and so it was very much uh, in, the same, in the same vein of what we wanted to help teams with is find that alignment. Uh, so 
purple sector was, you know, the, and, and because we're such F1 fans, we, we thought that would be a great way that represents our interests. Um, but also really ultimately what we want to do with, with our clients, which is really help them achieve that, that greatness that, that we know is all, uh, is all possible when, when everything's clicking. Right. That makes sense. And yeah, I like the, uh, I like the reference as well. It just kind of adds another layer to everything. Uh, so we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, and there's a question I like to ask all of our guests. Judging by our conversation already, I can kind of imagine what you guys are going to answer, but I'm curious how each of you define success as individuals. Um, we get asked a lot, how is it working together? You know, <laughs> we're, we're obviously married, and we live together, and we run a business together, um, and so a lot of people ask us that question yep. because I think a lot of people have a hard time imagining it for themselves. Um, but to sort of go back to something we've already said is, you know, are we having fun? Are we obviously paying our bills? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're both, both of our livelihoods are, are contained within purple sector. So there's a financial aspect to it, but money is not, the only consideration. Um, so yeah, it's it's ultimately are we still enjoying the work that we're doing, um, and and are we meeting people we enjoy working with? Like that's for me, that's really the really interesting part about doing consulting work is our clients change. We meet new people. Are we are we enjoying that? Are we working with people who also love their work and are passionate about their work? And if they are, then it makes the whole process worth it for me good answer um so it's how how you would define success right that's the yeah the Mm -hmm. question i think my i think my answer to that question has probably evolved since starting uh the, the the business and it's less so to do with the big lofty milestones and goals. Like it's not that we don't have some targets that we're looking to achieve, but it's not, that's not what drives uh, why we're, we're doing what we're doing. And um, I think, I think for myself, what it has become is do I like waking up in the morning and look forward to what I'm going to do that day. And, and, and I have been like that, that really has been what, uh, what keeps, um, uh, a high level of excitement, uh, when, when it comes to this business, I am the last person in the world that you would expect to be like on social media of trying to get the word out. Uh, but even that has become something, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun posting things about our business on Instagram where, you know, I would have shied away from that easily. Um, a couple of years ago and it's because it's about helping to tell our story but helping to tell our clients stories as well because yeah like Meredith said once we get to work with these teams and and we hear how we've helped them right and 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 in ways that uh sometimes it's like we hope we can help you like that but then we hear that it's like yeah we did you know um uh whether that's helping folks collaborate in in the best way that allows them to be there themselves when they come to work um but their teammates understand that and and they build off of each, uh, off of that and off of each other that's 
it's great stuff to be hearing. So uh, yeah, for me, it's it's more about just the um, enjoying enjoying the moment, right? We're 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 doing something really cool. Uh, we get to meet with uh, a lot of great people, and yeah, every day it brings new challenges, but they're they're fun challenges. That's awesome, and I do love that idea of like, yes, money matters. Yes, you want to come home to a roof over your head, food on the table, but at the end of the day, what's really important is feeling driven to do something that you love. And that's something I really I relate to as well. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, really means a lot that you take the time out of your busy schedules. If people are interested and people need this uh, business consultation, where can they find you? Yeah, I think, you know, the best place is to check us out on our website, which is www.fullsector.ca. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, we'll, Point them in the right direction. We're on Instagram as Purple Sector Strategy. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, just search our names. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from people. Awesome. And we'll throw those links down in the description. Yeah, thanks so much for being here, guys. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your days. And uh, good luck with the workshops and the meetings and all that. Thank <laughs> Excellent. You. Thanks a lot.